0: This is Straight Ahead, with the 606 Club of London,
1: and David
2: Lewis. Rebop, rebop, flat bars, a cook a Latin jazz. Tune up, warm up, give it up a Dandrum, Full House, and lots of pizza jazz Count up, count in, melody fits the groove Just one, loved one, I got a very special friend Waiting, participating. she is the one I Full House, pin drop, sold out I got your check right here, sir, Full House No way, I'm paying it just for you And by the wall, I'm so demure, a listen up for me out, proven, get you in by the kitchen door, tenor floatin', jump in a one full house, pin drop, sold out. I got your check right here, it's full house. No way, I'm playing it just for you.
3: hi, and welcome back to this week's 606 Club Straight Ahead Show. I hope you've had a really good week and can now settle back and enjoy two hours of jazz and conversation with me, David Lewis. The track we just listened to, Full House, was the title track from a and Stone album released back in April of this year. It was a take on a very famous Wes Montgomery number of 1962, which uh, vocalist Russell Oliver Stone took on in fine style there. And our guest this week is drummer Sophie Alloway. She's part of the band Wildcard and they are with us this coming weekend live streaming at the club and I'll give you details of how you can watch that in a little while's time and also be playing the band's new single. But also streaming with us this weekend is trumpeter Georgina Jackson. We had Georgina on the show last year and if you want to listen to that interview you'll find it on Catch Up on Spotify, Mixcloud and Apple Podcasts. But in the meantime, let's listen to Georgina with this Love Will Keep Us Together.
4: to okay. it I love you.
3: Gina Jackson, who is with us at the club this coming Sunday from 8 live streaming. Now, though, we turn to soul jazz mavericks, the fabulous Red Diesel, their last single, Butterfly Mind, wowed audiences and critics alike. And what they decided to do with this next single is take a little romp through West End musical history. The song is called Nelly Gale. It's all about Nelly, who is one of the first new dancers uh, in the West End of London. And so folklore has it. It's also the great grandmother of fabulous Red Diesel matriarch and singer Miss Kitty. Let's take a listen to this cheeky little single. i up single from fabulous red diesel all about nelly gale a few weeks ago i played a track from melbourne's cinematic funk outfit karate boogaloo it's from their third installment their kb's mixtape series of albums and what they've decided to do is re-approach reinterpret and re-engineer themes from famous film and television shows and this week from the album i've got lifted ready to play a track from rocky gonna fly now And rocky like I'm sure you have never heard it before Karate Boogaloo and uh, their version of Gonna Fly Now. Next to play on Straight Ahead this week is a track from the upcoming third album from Sven Wonder. The album's going to be called Natura Morta and what really took my imagination when I heard this for the first time was the lush orchestration. It is a beautiful soundscape. Sit back and enjoy this with me now in Pasto. gorgeous, a track from the upcoming third album from Sven Wunder and it's called Impasto. Still to come on this week's show, music from Nigel Price, from Rebecca Holweg, something from Georgia Mancho. But first, a track that's got a lot of heat on it at the moment, a debut single from Caroline Vane. We started playing it a few weeks ago and it's creating a lot of attention over on Spotify. Go and check it out. This is Song For You. single from American-born Caroline Vane and thanks to the guys over at No Room Records for sending that one over to us here at Straight Ahead. Now as lockdown restrictions finally look set to ease Nigel Price can get back to doing what he does best touring the length and breadth of the country but uh, he's got an album that's due for release in June to go along with those tour dates and there's a lead single from it to a track which features a stellar lineup including for Let's take a listen to it now. This is Kariba. <music> price and his latest single, Kariba. OK, it's that time where we get to meet the guest on this week's show. And as I mentioned, it's drummer Sophie Alloway. It's a really, really interesting interview. And we get to hear Sophie's very unique view and take on the way she decided to go about becoming a professional musician. She's part of the band Wildcard, who are streaming with us at the club this weekend. And they've got a single out at the moment. So let's listen to that latest single, which features Blue Note recording artist Marcus Strickland. This is Aleppo Express. And then after that, we'll get into the first part of the interview with Sophie. you are listening to me, David Lewis, and this straight ahead if you want to know what's happening at the six check out the website at 606club.co.uk Sophie, hi, how are you?
0: Hi, David. Uh, Really well, thanks. How about you?
3: Very well indeed. Now, I started this series of interviews about a year ago when it was dead easy to get in touch with musicians because, of course, they had little or no work. How was last year for you out of interest?
0: Oh, it was okay. I mean, I I was really sort of confused, <laughs> like everyone else, at the beginning of the situation. Because, you know, in mid-March, I had a lot of gigs. Mm-hmm. In fact, that last weekend, before everything shut down, I had one on the Friday at Ronnie's, two gigs on the Saturday, and two on the Sunday. And that that was Sunday the fifteenth, the last one. And then everything just got cancelled in my diary. So
3: Is it strange? I it's was one of those in dates a nice routine,
0: we, but it's yeah. one of those
3: dates that's actually in our mind. We all remember that last gig, that last date. Uh...
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, that that was the case, and then yeah, there was a lot of confusion and upset. And I just, like everyone, I thought, how am I going to cope? Not going out gigging because I'd been doing, you know, a pretty steady stream of gigs for 15, 15 years, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was awful at first, but gradually I sort of. I thought well, it's not a bad thing to have an enforced break, reassess what you're going to do, and I I always try to look at the positive because I think that's one of the keys to happiness, <laughs> which we all need. Absolutely. And I got my studio finished at the end of July, and and so I've been doing a lot of recording here. But yeah, things are things are okay. I just hope that they can return to normal um, mm. as much as I want you to keep your access to all the
3: guests you want. I know the book's going to be shut me very firmly, very, very soon. My days are numbered. Oh, I don't
0: think so. No, I think you're going to be fine.
3: So let's just go back, shall we? I think like many a youngster, it was recorder and flute, was it, that your first forays into the notation of music?
0: Yes, indeed, yes. So um, at primary school, of course, everyone played the recorder. And, um, I mean, we had a, a very keen, um, music teacher. It wasn't a fancy school. There wasn't great equipment, but, uh, Sheila Johnson was her name. She just, she was great with my brother and with me. He's very musical as well and gave us lots of opportunities. So yeah. And then I went to flute and then I thought, no, I'm going to, it's, it's drums. I heard Stevie wonder. And I thought, Drums, oh. that's me.
3: I was going to say, Stevie was the, was the the moment, wasn't it? He was the pivotal... the, the, he, the, the
0: he really was. <laughs> yeah, I'd heard so much great music, thanks to my parents and my brother. Oh,
3: so they were music lovers then, your parents, yeah? They played yeah, music around the house?
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, they, they definitely did. Um, and so they were always very encouraging with my brother and me. And, um, yeah, very grateful. In fact, they were here earlier. <laughs> We were hanging out a little bit, so um, yes, they're still very much involved.
3: And so, when did you first get your hand after hearing the the tracks from Stevie and the drumming of Stevie? Everyone always forgets that he was drumming on a lot of those early albums as well. I mean, he was multi instrumentalist, wasn't he? He was on virtually all of the instruments. So
0: he was. Well, yeah, the music of my mind. I, I think he is the only musician involved, which is just incredible. I mm. mean, he's in the nicest possible way. He's a freak of nature. Mm. That that talent. The writing ability, the lyricism, the just everything, the playing, the the range of music as well, even on those early albums. I say early albums, the the mid seventies mm, yeah. albums, just ridiculous. I learned how to play nearly every style from imitating his drumming. And so, yeah. when did you
3: first get your hands on a kit of drums? And after after hearing Stevie, how did that come about? Well,
0: I'm guessing yeah. they're not that easy
3: to access, are they?
0: Not really. So at primary school, we had little bits and bobs, you know, like a snare drum, but it probably didn't have any snare wires and maybe a floor tom and a bass drum with no bass drum pedal and a (laughs) a hi-hats with only one hi-hat. You know, so you can't... You don't really play it like a real kit. But as I said, the the love and encouragement was there. So it, it was enough to kind of get me going. And then I suppose... My parents worried that I was going to go off the drums like I went off the flute very quickly. But uh, 20, 26 years later, <laughs> I have still got the drum bug.
3: Are they still that worried? <laughs> no,
0: no, not at all, no. So did it, it become always...
3: clear quite early on then that it was something that you thought, yeah,
0: I wouldn't mind
3: giving a crack at this as a professional. As you were going through your teenage years, were you beginning to focus more and more on
0: that? Yeah, it's it's funny. You don't... I didn't really think about making a living and getting a job until, I suppose, you know, you start thinking about A level choices and what am I going to do after that? And at that point, you think, mm, all right, what am I? How am I going to make it this work? And I, yeah, the thing is, my parents had just said, look, if you've got a passion, that's often enough to carry you through, you know, you'll land on your feet mm. if you've got the love. I mean, not that there aren't hard times, of course, but, uh, and a few people said that to me, they said, it'll be a difficult path, but you know, it's worth at least giving a go and you can maybe give it five years and then do something else. I was waitressing as well, you know, to get some money
3: mm. coming in
0: when I left school but um, it, it kind of took off and I, yeah, I hadn't really looked back.
3: <laughs> and did you go the, so often young musicians go the whole county band route, don't they? There's, I mean, there's a great wealth of great bands around the country for you to get involved with. Did you go sort of the big band route that, that way? What were you doing no. at weekends and evenings?
0: Well, that, that's the weird thing, I suppose, about my story, that I, uh, there was no conventional route. Um, my, the music at primary school was great. But, you know, you sort of have to leave when you're 11 mm. to 12 mm. And then my my secondary school It was a wonderful school And I, I hear the music department now is a lot better But um, it just, yeah I mean, I used to go up to the local boys' school I had drum lessons there And my first gig at uh, 16 was up there At King's College in Wimbledon I was going to say um, whereabouts
3: you brought up You are South West London then, were you?
0: Yeah, yeah, Southwest. I'm still Southwest now. Mm -hmm. Um, But so no, there was no conventional route. I was really a bit of, I always say I'm a happy loner. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I have lovely friends, but I I just sort of locked myself away, got obsessed with listening to certain albums, uh, particularly Inner Visions and Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder and all the Beatles stuff. So they parents. really were
3: hugely important on you, weren't they? I mean, really, I didn't know quite how much. I knew my, he had parents, a well, yeah. and Stevie and Stevie's work. I didn't. I yeah. knew he had a part in it, but it's clear that you, he he had a huge influence on you early on.
0: He really did. As I said, the range, the range of styles within his music, and uh, it, it was just such a great education just listening to his stuff. But I, you know, I love the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Hendrix and all that stuff as well. And I heard Dave Brubeck and Oscar Peterson, people like that at home. Um, and as we're
3: sort of talking about still the, the younger Sophie, uh, what kind yes. of music were you listening to? So as a, as a you know, teenager, 15, 18, what kind of stuff was ticking boxes for you?
0: Definitely, oh, well, one name I left out and no, no particular reason, Michael Jackson was mm-hmm. a huge passion mm. of mine. Um, And again, thanks to, I mean, Michael himself, I believe, was an incredible (laughs) music mind, Uh, but the power of having Quincy Jones as well with his jazz background and big band. Again, just the the range of influences. If you listen to Michael Jackson's music, Mm. um, you're you're kind of sorted, And I was playing along with these records. Um, so, say I got a drum kit at about the age of eleven or twelve, and I just play along. Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Rolling Stones, lots of stuff. Well, if
3: you can learn to groove along with Michael, that's not a bad uh, education in and yeah, well, of itself, it's, is it?
0: Yeah, some of my favourite drummers are on those albums. So, uh, yeah, it's always it's still my preferred way to practice. I was just doing that for two and a half hours before I oh, came here. Oh really? On the- Really? Playing along, yeah, with all kinds of stuff. I put my iTunes favourites on shuffle and just try and play whatever comes on.
3: Oh, so it's random to you. You've got no idea what's coming next, so you're not going into a format.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's I don't almost don't like a sight right
3: reading in. gig kind of thing.
0: Well, yeah, there are a lot that I skip because I think, no, I'm not playing this now. <laughs> or I can't play I can't play fast swing at the moment. I don't have the chops for it, so I might skip those.
3: <laughs> now, you and I had a very short preamble before we start recording, and I, I warned yes. you of something I wanted to talk about. And it's your views on the whole formal music education system. Now, yeah. I'm not here to badmouth it or belittle it at all. It's produced many a fine musician. Many, many, many of the guests I have on here have gone through that, have gone through the conservatory or music university route. But you, as an 18-year-old, made a choice. Did you actually do music A-level?
0: No. So, so right, f- so that's there was the thing. I, yeah.
3: No music formal education at all. And you made the choice nope. to not go the route, clearly. Of going to universities. I did
0: make the choice. Yeah. So there there were a few things in my mind at the time. Uh, first of all, I, I was getting a few gigs when I was doing my A-levels and I was quite dedicated. I mean, I'm not the best practicer, as in <laughs> I don't learn lots of new things, but I was playing all the time, you know. Even in my A levels, I, if I could go home at lunchtime and practice for three hours playing along with records, I would. Um, and I, I sort of thought I'd quite like to get out there and start working. Um, I probably didn't want a big student loan hanging over my head. Uh, And I didn't want my parents to have to get involved with that. I thought, well, if I can get out and start earning a living and and learn on the bandstand, that's a great education. Now, I must say there are gaps in my education because I uh, didn't pursue it.
1: Such as? Of interest?
0: Well, I, I mean, they're all things that are in my control. Like I could, I'd love to play piano. There's nothing to stop me. Getting lessons with someone, I work with so many great pianists, or mm. even learning online. Mm. So I I could do that. But if I had applied for music college, they would have said you have to get your harmony together. We need you to audition, maybe uh, playing a bit of piano and then drums. So it would have given me a, a kick up the bum mm-hmm. um, to get that together. And so and maybe you know getting some some compositions, some arranging skills. Not that everyone who comes out of college has that under their belt, but yeah, there, there are things um, for which music college is fantastic, but I've done it my own way. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I had, um, I had a chat with Mark Mondesi last night. In fact, there were a few of us on one of these drum hangs and his story is really interesting because he and his brother, Mike, just monster musicians on bass and drums. And they're just self-taught. They listen to records. They've got these incredible brains and concepts of music, but they, you know, no lessons, no formal education. So I think it, I don't mean to compare myself to them because <laughs> they're, they're really something special, but I've got my own thing and I've done quite well with Well,
3: them. you're a successful professional um, musician for many a year, as you mentioned, and a busy yeah. musician too, so.
0: Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, that. There's more than one way to embark on this this journey, <laughs> and any road will have its challenges, and it, it has for me, and it, it it has for everyone. But yeah, I'm I'm happy with my choice. Put it that way.
3: And did did concerned parents force you to have a plan B just in case things didn't work out?
0: No. So this is where I, you know, my brother and I are very lucky. <laughs> with our super cool parents because we're all a bit unconventional and and um no one's really followed uh, a path. Uh, well, they have followed paths, but not the conventional routes of a path. So my parents are um, antique dealers, and they always have been, and they're, they're specialists. And my brother designs firework displays, and he does really well with that. Although the last year has been clearly <laughs> <challenging>. <laughs>
1: yeah, As per but for you, they yeah. Did
0: London yeah, they did London New Year's Eve, but that was a bit of a quiet one. Mm. <laughs> they weren't allowed to publicise it, but we've all got interesting jobs and their passions and and we've made it work, which is great. So no, no pressure, no pressure from the family to do anything else, just to try and keep the love alive for the music, which I have more or less. <laughs> and that that will carry me through.
3: And, of course, you teach as well, don't you? Uh, Is it King's? I do.
0: Yeah, so I I teach at King's College, Wimbledon. Um, I took over from my drum teacher. And so I've been there for 12 or 13 years. So a question
3: comes to my mind. I thought it was almost a given to get a teaching gig that you had to have some sort of formal... I'm not saying that's necessarily the right or wrong way, but I thought it was almost a formal thing that you had to have a degree behind you. To get, so that's a very far-sighted school then, is it not? To...
0: Well, the, the thing is, I, just to be clear, I'm not teaching music as a subject. I'm not teaching any GCSE A-level students music. I'm teaching drums. So um, when I had my interview there, and actually in my letter to apply for the job, I made a point of saying, look, I, I've studied with lots of great drummers, but I, I'm not formally educated in music. And therefore it might not be, I understand if you're looking for someone who's been to the Academy or Guildhall, but they got me in for an interview in and a trial lesson. And, you know, they observed me teaching someone and they thought, actually, yeah, she seems to know what she's talking about. She's very busy as a player. <laughs> um, cause I, I was gigging a lot and That counts for a lot. So, yeah, I have huge respect um, for Daniel Phillips, the head of music, for giving me that opportunity. And obviously, if there was a problem, if anyone was worried about the the quality of drum education their their kid was getting, I'd be spoken to and, and fine. But, yeah, I love it. You know, the kids are great. And so far, so good.
3: See, that's interesting because I speak to clearly a number of musicians and maybe off the record. They'll say Perry teaching. I do it because I have to, but it's not something I want to do. But you actually look and sound like you actually get a kick from it and enjoy it.
0: Yep, I do. Um, It's again, you you have to sort of we make life hard for ourselves if we sort of think, oh, I don't like this. Well, how has it come to this? <laughs> Whereas if you think, God, this is what a great opportunity I'm with these lovely kids. They're here with me because they want to learn. Um, I always ask them what music they're into because that's the best avenue, I think. And then, you know, we if they want to do exams, great. If they don't, if they just want to play, fine. But yeah, it's not... Um, I always say if I... <laughs> If something happened and I was suddenly a multimillionaire, I I'd still want to do the teaching.
3: Which says it all. Uh, I'm
0: yeah, guessing it must be really rewarding great.
3: when you get that sort of one real diamond of a kid that comes through that you know has got that edge, has got the talent, and you can yeah. see him, her, going somewhere. That must be wonderful to be able to nurture that.
0: It's great, yeah. I mean, I've had some fantastic students. I mean, uh, Will Barry is a great really gifted pianist and drama. and when i first got the job there he he was at the school and um he's gone on to do mm. brilliant things um alistair parkinson he's gone on to berkeley college he's a guitarist as well but yeah just a lot of great people mm. and uh yeah what can i say it's a a privilege to be there and, you know, I I hope they'll have me for many more decades.
3: (laughs) And and four little connected letters that I've not brought into the conversation yet. Jazz. When did that, because I'm right in saying that I think you get booked more as a jazz musician than as a groove or, you know, pop player, don't you? Mm,
0: Well, in the last couple of years, yeah, I'd say I have, but there's... (laughs) I mean, I've done a lot of different work over the years, you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of groove stuff and some hip hop and soul and funk and rock. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to find myself at a lot of jazz venues, even if we're doing more of a fusion thing. Um, so there's always a jazz influence, but it doesn't have to be straight ahead jazz.
3: And <laughs> um, was jazz, I know you said your, your parents had quite a wide range of interests, but when did you really begin playing jazz and taking jazz on board and studying it as a music form?
0: I suppose at about 17, my my drum teacher, Richard Coles, said, you Oh, know, he was I think it would be
3: a- BBC, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Was he BBC? Big-
0: oh, he did, a- yes, I think. You have done your research. Um, I, I immersed he...
3: myself in the back catalogue of you this afternoon. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. You must
0: need a break.
3: <laughs> Today has been all about Sophie for me.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Richard. Oh, I call him Rich. He, uh, I think he won a Big Band Drummer of the Year BBC Award mm-hmm. way back. And um, But he was great. He used to send me home with masses of... CDs or or I turned them into mini discs or converted them Just and said, you know, you should check out this player in London. You know, he he sort of introduced me by way of listening to all my favorite players because 16, 17, 18, that's a really important time for development. So what you hear and what you like at that age, I think, I mean, personally, I still love 20 years later. Um, so, and he recommended I start playing jazz. So, you know, he gave me some CDs to listen to and I thought, oh yeah, this is, this is great. I could really get into this. And then I got a gig as the house drummer in a jam session when I was, I think it was the day after my 18th birthday, playing standards for three hours, backing anyone who came up.
3: That's the way to learn, isn't it?
0: It was a great way to learn. They They must've had a lot of patience because I... <laughs> I don't think I could play jazz that well at that stage but uh, But it's a great way to learn vocab isn't it
3: I mean if you're just playing standards for three hours a gig you're going to get a lot of those under your belt
0: oh yeah I mean the repertoire Mm. was incredible and it was a really fantastic way so that thing of learning on the bandstand that's not too old-fashioned a term for 2021 do we still say bandstand I think we do anyway I just have okay I
3: think we do (laughs) this job for a number of reasons but primarily because i get to sit down with gifted musicians just like sophie and uh, the track we listened to just at the end of the first part of the interview was shuffle bubble and we'll be chatting with sophie again in a few minutes time but as we turn the corner into our number two of this week straight ahead i know time is moving too quickly for my liking as well We're going to start off that second hour with a track from Rebecca Holweg. She's got a third album that's about to be released. It's produced by Andy Hamill and the track we've got queued up ready to play on this week's show is simply called Music.
0: Listen online, on DAB and on
3: smart speakers straight ahead with London's leading music venue,
1: The 606 Club.
5: Things we always stay there Till my head looks for a change From time to time I don't really mean To look that far Turn on the music Strike up the music Let the music change my mind Now don't I dig the big time rock and roll Sit in the darkness be somebody else a time which after all is under control Crank out the music Give me music Let the music fill the air My dear friend, your head's been sinking like a stone You must try thinking like a cloud sometime just leave a happy side out loud sometimes. There's a symphony inside you There's a thousand things for you to do So come on Let a hush fall on the movie crowd Boy turns to girl and says I love you so What I hear in here is violins. Give me music Miss the music. Let the music be that too.
3: Becca's new album is going to be called Other People's Songs and it's exactly that. 16 tracks taken from the worlds of classic pop and jazz and range of artists such as James Taylor, Carole King and Paul Simon to Randy Crawford and Betty Carter and we just listened to music. Time now to get back to this week's guest Sophie and she was recently involved with the, the Lazio Project. We're going to listen to a track from them, Nagoya Moon and then carry on with the second part of our interview. Without wishing, wishing to chop and change direction too much, just going back to the students momentarily, um, yeah. what was, presumably that's all been learning online for this last year. How does drums translate online?
0: Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> there are some formats that work better than others. So um, Zoom sort of has an automatic gate. Uh, unless you have a particular setting, but uh, yeah, it sort of cuts the sound out as soon as they start playing. But uh, yeah, we've got it down to a fine art uh, between Skype and FaceTime, and the majority of the lessons have been online. And mm. they, you know, sometimes the internet drops out, but we get back on and and keep going. and It's and it's great. It's preferable if they have a drum kit at home, mm-hmm. but if they just have a practice pad, that's fine as well. How effective are the practice pads? Well, they're pretty good. I mean, I, I should spend more time with mine, to be honest. <laughs> um, they're they're a really great way to get your hands together so to get the technique developed and um i think it's important to have that alongside time on the kit Mm -hmm. um but yeah there's nothing like sitting down at the instrument an acoustic drum kit and working on your sound and the touch and feel that way
3: because i know you mentioned i think i heard you say a little early on you just finished building your studio at home but of course Yeah. yeah lockdown drum ha- having raised a saxophonist for my sins i know there are certain instruments that don't translate well to being played at home sax and drums are definitely two of those so <laughs> <The> trumpets. <laughs> trumpets trumpets yes yeah i've never crossed paths with a violinist thankfully but i'd imagine equally actually that's probably more in the house rather than neighbours but uh, so what i mean was it uh, awkward for you to practice or did you already have your studio in place by the time lockdown last year or the various <laughs> lockdowns came along no
0: so the the thing is, again, we were talking about this last night on this on the the drum hang that Mark Mondesi was sort of uh, hosting, and it I haven't had a full practice set up until this year. Um. So yeah, my late thirties, if I may be so bold as to share my age, um, I've never had a proper practice set up when I was at my parents' house. I did have an acoustic kit set up, but one of the neighbors put a note through the door. And I'm (laughs) quite shy, naturally, I'm quite shy. And I don't like to think that anyone can hear what I'm doing. So Mm. that, you know, then it was playing with brushes, even practicing grooves. And so it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I can have a proper setup, but you can never afford it when you're younger. And that's when you really need it. So I you know, I had practice kits um with mesh heads and low volume cymbals, but very hard to practice. Uh, I was just
3: gonna say permission to ask a very naive question. I've spoken to drummers hmm. before, but is there such a thing then as a practice kit?
0: Well, there yeah, there are several. I I've
3: never thought of that. I just thought you would have because you're one of the guys that obviously pretty much takes around your whole kit to every gig so you know horn yeah. players end up with and drummers particularly those cymbals we cu- I know you cherish your cymbals you drummers they always <laughs> seem to be the thing that affected over the most but uh, I'd always assumed you'd have one or two kits depending maybe pop or big band or you know but I thought that's what you'd practice on at home but you're saying there is a practice setup
0: well i the reason i had a practice Kit was because I didn't feel comfortable at a certain stage playing a full-volume acoustic drum kit um, at my place or when I was at my parents' place. I just thought, well, this neighbor doesn't like it, which is fair enough. Because uh, I was doing about three hours a day of playing, mm. you know, a lot of rock, Led Zeppelin and Stones and stuff. <laughs> so it's fair enough that a neighbor would think. I don't like this anymore. Mm. So I went into my shell a little bit and um, I, I kitted out an acoustic drum kit with mesh heads. So they sound like if you're playing a tennis racket or something, the drums sound like that. And then you can put rubber pads on cymbals. But the response, the feel, the sound is not that helpful, really. But it was a means to an end and it, it was better than nothing.
3: And drumming, of course, is very physical. So through the layoff, do you get unfit? Is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, um, you know, purely from a gig point, if you gig fit. It, I'm yeah, just thinking absolutely. arms, shoulders, well, even physically, just cardiovascular. it's a hard number as well, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. It, it's an interesting one. Well, I mean, uh, so we're speaking in the middle of April. I know this is going out a bit later, but my, my gym opened yesterday And uh, I'm, I was going to say I'm a fitness freak. I, I try to be disciplined and I love it, but um, I got back in there and, you know, did an hour yesterday and an hour today, and I will do an hour most days in there, but already just sitting on the kit, I just feel it's probably a mental thing. I feel much more powerful Mm. because I'm back in the zone physically. Mm. Um, And regarding i mean even just being match fit i always say for gigs you have to have uh, physically a certain amount of stamina and power even if you're doing a low volume jazz gig you know for the the intricacy of playing mm. that mm. you yeah you need to be ready and i i did do quite a few gigs during the lockdown you know live streams and things uh, but it wasn't quite the same the uh the way the brain reacts to other players in jazz, it it takes a while. It's like a muscle that needs to be exercised in itself. So that will take a while to come back. but yeah, physically, I've been playing enough to keep the muscles working, but two hour shows, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know yet.
3: Because <laughs> all of you guys tell me that there's one thing to being sort of practice fit, but it's totally different to being actually gig fit. You can practice as much. Work, and singers often say that too, you know they can do as much work as they can, but until you get on the stage and you're using your voice for you know 90 minutes straight, it's just not the same.
0: It's not the same, no. And yeah, so just, as I said, the brain getting match fit is hard. So having the vocabulary, whatever instrument you play or whether you sing, and being able to react and respond spontaneously to what the saxophonist has played or the phrasing of the vocalist, that. You you need to keep that going and, yeah, time will tell how long it takes to get that skill back and to the just, level it was at before.
3: And you just mentioned a word that probably a year ago wasn't in our general parlance, live streams. How are you finding those? Uh, again, it's a question I've I've had to ask many musicians and they more or less, all, within reason, have all had a similar kind of answer. It's just odd, a little odd at the beginning because you haven't got that feedback.
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird because... Uh, You know, you can sort of give your all and finish a tune, and then there's silence. Silence. If it was... If it was stunned silence, I could cope. But it's just silence because there's no one there.
3: You see, Um, in radio, I'm so used to that. I get no feedback. I'm used to sitting in a quiet room by myself with nobody telling me that I've done anything good or bad. But uh, live streams.
0: Yeah, it's good to be your own boss in that sense.
3: I did smile (laughs) earlier on when you said that you're a bit of a loner. I thought, you're talking to a man that sits in four walls for many hours a week by himself, surrounded by acoustic tiles. So.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is, we've, we've all gone a bit that way in the last year, depending on people's situations. Of mm. course, a lot have a family or they're married or they're living with people. But, yeah, it's funny. Run that
3: past me again. <laughs> Live with people. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Not but, really, um,
3: no. I have a cat. Yeah. That will do me nicely. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, yes, I should, I should get a cat. Oh no, there are enough visiting cats that
3: hover sort
0: of <laughs> hover by the kitchen window, going, "Are you cooking salmon? Oh, that smells nice."
3: <laughs> yeah, so, and, and influences on you, then. I know I don't want to take too much of your evening up, but sort of big. We mentioned Stevie early on, but as your musical career yes. kind of developed, is there anybody that you kind of watch and have always had a huge respect for?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I hope I have quite a broad palette of musical interests, but. Um, I love Steely Dan um, I know I mentioned Michael Jackson and I obviously Stevie uh, a huge Michael Brecker fan Kenny Garrett Chick Career, Herbie Hancock um, and I also have a a number of favourite drummers, one of whom you've spoken to this week, Steve Ferroni. <laughs>
3: well, yes, I was going to do the tenuous, little well, not so tenuous, thing, to Michael Jackson that you mentioned. Of course, Earth Song—that was Steve. Yes. Oh, there was a lovely I, story I he didn't was telling know. me. Yes, it was oh, a lovely. St-
0: he told you that story. Yeah, I've heard that. Okay, can, can you dance?
3: <laughs> I can't do the MJ voice as well as Steve can, but yeah, uh, he told me that story. It was lovely to hear it from him. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, so Steve Gadd was another one of your.
0: Steve Gadd's a huge influence. I mean, I could we could spend two hours while I list <laughs> my drum influences, but basically, I my drum teacher uh, Richard Coles sort of said, you know, check out this person or that person. So in this country, he said, check out Ian Thomas and Neil Wilkinson. Um, Jeremy Stacy, people like that. So I'd go and see these guys play mm. at the 606 normally. And um, I got to know them all there and see what they did. Um, and as far as the players across the pond go, um, I would just think, okay, so there's this guy, Jeff Picaro, or Harvey Mason or Jeff Tane What's Tony Williams, Steve Gadd. What they've played with a lot of people. Let me find out what albums they're on and listen to those. And it's just a great way to discover lots of different music. And you know that the playing's going to be top quality when those people are involved.
3: One of the drummers I saw uh, not that long ago actually was Dave Weckl when he was over with the Buddy Tour. And yeah. The intricacy, the touch of the man just fascinated me.
0: Dave Weckl, gosh, he's... He's someone who, as the years go by, he just becomes more and more of a, a hero. I just think he's incredible. Mm. His dedication to his craft and his health and his fitness um, is just unbelievable. Because uh, he's been doing a lot of live streams. And I am
3: just going to ask you, uh, did yeah, you, did you do you watch those? Yeah, I see yeah. a
0: couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um... Well, he mentioned me two was it two weeks ago because I asked him a question about his fitness routine in lockdown, and uh, he gave me a great answer. But yeah, he also he said, yeah, Sophie, yeah, great player, absolutely. And I thought, oh, that's that really means a lot because he's not uh, he doesn't mince his words. If no, he doesn't sort of- I'd I imagine saw-
3: he doesn't suffer fools too gladly.
0: No, I don't think he does because he knows how hard he's worked and the the sacrifices he's made and the dedication he still has at the age of sixty one um so he, yeah, I've sort of sent him a few videos I've done recently, a lot of the chick career tributes i've recorded and and he's had a lot of very nice things to say, which means a lot, but yeah, mm. the guy is Phenomenal and a huge inspiration to me. Great teacher as well.
3: So before letting you embark on the rest of your evening and the, the better part of the evening, I dare say, two two questions I've got that come to mind. Are you a bit of a, a kit nerd? Are, are you the sort of person that collects you know various symbols or hats and snares and.
0: I've got lots of I, I think I've got seven drum kits here um, and I, I've got masses of cymbals, lots of different snares. But the, the funny thing is I find myself using the same gear all the time. So when I'm out gigging around London, I have a particular kit I like to take or my the kit that's set up in my studio. Um, I took it out for two recording dates uh, last weekend, I think. Um, but yeah, basically it just lives there, and I'll change the snare, I'll change a couple of symbols, But yeah, I, I quite like um, quite u- like using what I know works. The old but faithfuls. Yeah. The the seven kits, I don't need seven. I don't use seven, but you know, that's my But they're never gonna be pension. sold are they? <laughs> By the time I get to pension age, well I probably I'll probably need to get to hundred and five before I can get any kind of pension, I'd imagine. So
3: Actually, um, and I know sorry, I will I really promise I will let you go, but I'll just keep getting odd questions come to mind. Very broad <laughs> park for a, a basic gig kit. Roughly what yes. cost are they? I've got no idea what you're going to tell me. I'm assuming in the thousands, but I, not tens of thousands. I'm, I don't know. What no,
0: was, I hope not. I mean, I. I've I, got no
3: idea what a, a basic kit would cost.
0: All my kits are secondhand, except my parents in my mid teens very kindly bought me a new Yamaha Stage Custom drum kit, but that's the only new kit I've ever owned. They're all secondhand. And. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get i mean i don't know what prices are doing now but if you buy a second hand yamaha recording custom or something it might be a thousand quid um right yeah but you there are some fantastic uh you know all the drum companies are doing very reasonable drum kits these days that sound great mm-hmm. so it's not like it used to be where you need to spend a certain amount i mean i i Mostly when I'm gigging at jazz venues, there are house kits and some are better than others. But I really like the challenge of thinking, right, I'm going to play this kit. I'm not even going to change the tuning and see what it brings out in me. And it's amazing what happens. I can play one gig on one kit and go, God, I sound like a completely different drummer today because of the gear. (laughs) So I enjoy that.
3: And just at the beginning, uh, again, just before we start actually recording the interview, you mentioned that Steve down at the Six have been in touch. Does that mean that gigs are beginning to float back your way again now? Are we going to be
0: seeing it at the Six again soon? I hope so. I mean, I love that place so much. When I was in my late teens and all through my 20s, it was a bit of a second home for me. I was always there checking players out. It was so nice socially. Um, And. Yeah, I I do. I've got one in June. I'm doing an album launch with Shez Raja and uh, yeah, Steve Ruby's just been in touch. So uh, about something else playing there. So there will be gigs. Um, I was doing quite a few live streams. I, I did four or five in the, I forget where we are in lockdown, but one of the earlier lockdowns, <laughs> I did quite a few. So I, I always love that place.
3: And also, you're nice and easy to find online. I always like to try and let people know. It's, it's basically Sophie Alloway everywhere, isn't it? Which is so easy.
0: It's lovely yes. to find it.
3: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I haven't checked you out on Bandcamp. Are you on Bandcamp?
0: I don't know if i am i mean a lot of people i've recorded for would i mean when i say i don't know i know that i am not personally but a lot of people i've recorded for will be on there so the the music will be accessible (laughs) that way good Um,
3: and hopefully i can get to see you down at the six now these infernal lockdowns sound like they're uh, almost a thing in the past i think i think maybe i can come down to the hang and just watch you actually perform
0: well that would be great yeah i mean I'm, i'm Often there, one way or another, <laughs> whoever it's with Wild Card or maybe Lydian Collective, Chez Raj, or lots of people. Maybe and yes, yesterday. I should just say
3: thank you also to Clement because of Wildcard. Card. He, he was my route to you. We had Clement on the show a, while, a few weeks back, and I noticed you were drumming. I said, I'd love to speak to Sophie. Do you think she would mind coming on? He said, No, 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 I'm sure she'd be fine. That was a terrible French accent, <laughs> sounded more Italian. But um, but so I need to thank Clement for that as well. And uh, we have been oh, playing Clement's that single. Great. Oh, he had so much energy. He was so lively.
0: <laughs> I know, I don't know how he does it. I always take my hat off to Clement because, he, yeah, amazing spirit. I'm doing, yeah, several recordings for him. Um, so, yeah, great guy. We're surrounded by great people in this business, aren't we? We're very lucky.
3: We are, and I get to speak to some of them, which is, you know, like sitting down talking to you this evening. How lucky am I? Can't play well, a note no, of music no, in myself, but, you know. <laughs> I love sitting and talking to you guys and hearing what makes you tick so I can't wait to come see you live again and we will be playing a new single from uh, Clemone and Wildcard Aleppo Express he was kind enough to send it through to me just before its release actually so we'll carry on supporting that as well so perfect, Sophie many thanks indeed for your time and I'll let you get on with your evening now cooking salmon or whatever oh, it's to be
0: David. Oh, well who knows Well, I'm going <laughs> to surprise myself
3: the rock and roll lifestyle Sophie thanks so much indeed for your time
0: <laughs> you're welcome David great to chat to you thank
3: you And the track we heard just at the end of the interview with Sophie was end of summer. I had a lovely time sitting down with Sophie. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. And don't forget, Sophie is part of the band Wildcard, and they are with us live streaming at the club this coming Saturday. Georgina Jackson is with us on Sunday. Both gigs get going at 8 o'clock, and all the details of how you can watch those streams are over on the website, 606club.co.uk. So last week when Joe was with me, we started to play tracks from the brand new album from Dean Stockdale. I've got another track. Looked out, ready to play for you now, which is Promise the Moon. And after that, we're going to go straight into a cover of a Neil Young song on this very eclectic show this week from Lara Eady, and we're going to listen to Old Man.
0: Straight Ahead with David Lewis.
3: Harmonised version of the Neil Young classic "Old Man" there sung by Lara Eady. The album from Georgia Show and Alan Broadbent, which was recently released, has fetched widespread critical acclaim, and I thought it's about time that we played another track from that beautiful album. And uh, this week on the show, ready to play for you now, I've got this. Let me whisper to your heart, featuring Alan Broadbent on the piano. Whisper To Your Heart is a track that you'll find on the album Quiet Is The Star which has been receiving widespread critical acclaim Uh, of course features Alan Broadbent on the piano Georgia Mancho is the vocals and if you haven't got it in your collection yet I suggest you add it it is a gorgeous gorgeous album many thanks indeed to our guest this week Sophie Allaway and don't forget you can watch Sophie live streaming from the club this coming weekend as I shall be doing go over to 606club.co.uk and all the details are there so sadly we've only got time for one more track this week and it is from Scottish saxophonist Martin Kershaw who's been part of the very strong and vibrant jazz scene up there for some 20 years or so now and uh, he recently released an album called The Houndness and from that we're going to be playing out this week with Bereft. Thanks for your company and I'll see you next week.